Hey, hey, everybody. This is your boy, the dope ass dude. And I am so excited about being back tonight. And we only have one more episode after tonight. So uh, it's kind of bittersweet, but I am really excited about tonight's show because we have a lot of great things that uh, we have planned for you guys on tonight. So, you know, just happy you are here. And before we get started, you already know the little preliminary things. If you don't mind, go ahead and subscribe into the YouTube channel now. And then while you're subscribing to the YouTube channel and you're already there, just go ahead and click on that like. And the reason we want you to click on the like is because your like helped this podcast get pushed to other viewers just like you. So don't be selfish. Go ahead and click that like. And then you can follow the podcast on both TikTok and Instagram both the dope ass dude podcast so make sure you go out there and follow the podcast on both platforms and then lastly new episodes every monday final episode next monday and we have a celebrity uh photographer that's going to be with us um his name is alex martin and don't get him confused with alex hudson that was here uh last season a new photographer and this guy is phenomenal so we're going to be talking about you know taking pictures and you know capturing beauty so i'm really excited to have him on the podcast on next week so make sure you go ahead and like i said click on that subscribe button and you know become a part of the family uh and then so tonight i'm really excited because we have christian fraser uh, he is a life coach and he's a minister. He's an actor. I mean, this guy does have a long list of things that he is amazing at. Um, you guys, all, for all of you Gotham watchers out there, you may know Chris from Gotham. He was an actor on Gotham. He was also in Blue Blood. Uh, I mean, I mean, this guy was like in 29 30 movies so i mean he's phenomenal he's written and directed so and i think he's been on saturday night live but he will okay he's shaking his head yeah so he's been on saturday night live so you may have seen him there as well so i'm really excited to have him on the podcast tonight and he is gonna go ahead and come on out we're not gonna waste any more time we're gonna bring him on out what's up Kristen? What's going on, John? How you doing? I am amazing, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I can't complain not one bit. You know, it's not about, you know, what it looks like. It's about creating a new future. You know, we're talking about starting over. And yeah, when you get to be my age, sometimes you you could get to start over multiple times in life. <laughs> and that is true that is true so so and i know that you are a motivational speaker and and we'll get to that and then your life coach we'll get to that but you you serve as a pastor associate pastor and you've served as senior pastor before tell us a little bit about that sure um it was over 20 something years ago um i was called into ministry i uh I was one of those. I was like, "Are you sure, Lord?" Like, <laughs> like, like, really, like, like. I was just at the club last night. <laughs> like, like I, I, I really wasn't. Um, uh, some I didn't go to church every Sunday. I didn't, and then you know I got this call into ministry, and. Uh, I started learning. I went to seminary. Uh, you know, I worked with my pastor for a while. You know, I was licensed. And then uh, about two years later, I was ordained. You know, so I've been ordained uh, since 2005. And uh, I take, you know, ministry very seriously. To me, ministry is done outside the four walls of the church. You know, that's where it's most, most effective. And, you know, like right now, you know, the, the followers that I have, like, you know, I have some like 20 to 30,000 followers across all of my social media. So I get to spread my word to more people now than I ever did before. And a lot of ministers are doing that. You know, I, I, I know ministers, some of them, they're, they're, they've closed their church doors and they're ministering online. He was like, man, like. I'm I'm reaching more people. I'm getting more feedback. 
Our finances are still great doing it online. So, you know, you can reach people di many different ways. And uh, I do some online. I do some in person. I, you know, I speak at different churches, you know, from, you know, New York all the way down to Florida. Wow. So let me ask you this here question, uh, Christian, because I've seen this in churches since COVID. You know, a lot of churches are encouraging people to come back to the physical location, but a lot of people are either not comfortable with coming back right now or they've gotten comfortable being at home and watching it via online at whatever point they want to, you know, uh, watching in that day or in that week. But a lot mm -hmm. of churches now not I'm going to use this word for lack of words. They guilt people into coming back into the actual sanctuary. And they talk about um, forget not the assembly. You know, they use that scripture, you know, to bring people back. What do you think about that? You know, like, is so, it cool so, for so, so um, when it comes to the church, first of all, we do have big church buildings and we built these buildings, you know, for people to be there. But there's, there, I mean, let's just talk about COVID and the pandemic. It's, it's serious, it's real, and COVID has not gone away. We have new variants that are very, um, you know, it's, it's spreading fast, and it is a concern for some people. And some people are higher risk, like myself, like I'm a diabetic. A lot of people don't know that almost half the people that died from COVID-19 were diabetics. Oh, almost 40 percent um and then the next thing were heart patients and then people who lack vitamin d so you know these are things that happen in the african-american community in high numbers so you know there those are people who are high risk that are concerned about going back and assembling in the church but the thing is is that you're going to have a hybrid solution just like people have hybrid solutions at work you're going to have a hybrid solution at church. Some people are going to come in. Some people are going to be online. And then uh, it could be just as effective because there's, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, if you can't make it to, to, to this house, if you can't make it to the church house, he said, all that you have to do is just focus on this place. You can just focus your mind on that place and you're still going to get blessed. So, I mean, that's the Bible. So again, there, there's no there's no problem with having a hybrid solution, but of course we want to encourage people to come back into church. But and again, it's got to be on at a level where they feel comfortable. But we have to realize that pa the pandemic changed everything. That we we're not supposed to go back to church like it was before. It's mm -hmm. going to be a new venture. So it's going we, just like businesses have had to decide the same thing. You know, I've been to conferences with ADP and some of these large companies out here that are, you know, global, and they've had to change the way that they do business because of the pandemic and the same thing with the church. Right. And I, we, we're not going to make this a church podcast, but I do think that is where a lot of churches are failing. They are back to business as usual, the way it was before COVID. And like you said, COVID changed a lot of things. It changed the mindsets of people. It exposed people to a lot of things because now people can watch churches that they thought they would never visit online and get in a better worship experience. So yeah, these churches they right probably need to and now you got competition. Exactly. <laughs> you got competition. So you got so you got somebody that's having a, a worship experience that's outside of your area, but you're really enjoying it. So but the thing is for, for me, the church has to do more with uh, getting outside the four walls and being more involved in the community. When you're more involved in the community and you're doing things to help people, the homeless, sick, and everything like that, then you're going to get people there that, that are going to come, you know, into the church. We've got to get beyond these four walls. We've got to stop just preaching, you know, inside the pulpit and start ministering to people. The the ministering is not the preaching. It's 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 the it's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That was some uh, a famous author said that. You know, they don't care how much, how good you can preach, how good the choir sings. People really respond to helping and fixing needs in the community, speaking up for atrocities that are happening in our community, like the, the shooting that just happened. Like, we need more people out there standing up for us in general. So once we see, you know, people starting to do that, we're going to start seeing more people come back to the church.
Absolutely. 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 So, okay. So we got that underway now. So you are an actor as well. Do you still act or is that something you like now folks more on ministry now? So, so uh, I do every once in a while if somebody calls me, but mostly I would rather do my own stuff. So, I mean, I've worked in Hollywood for a long time. It's really kind of an evil industry. It just is. Uh, just like the, just like the music industry, they're they, they they're like sisters, you know those industries, and uh, it's full of a lot of evil people, a lot of people who like to manipulate people, like to use power, exercise power. I mean, if you have to say something, let's go back to the church. It's just an industry that's kind of like full of Satan. I mean, it is it is, it just is what it is, and um, you got to be able to, it, you have to be able to navigate through it. It's it's a tough industry. But think the thing is now is that I don't need the television networks. I don't need the cable networks or anything. I can produce something and I can put it out and distribute it myself. I can put it in theaters. I can put it online. I can do pay-per-view. So uh, the television networks are really like kind of like the middleman now. You know, advertisers are going directly to influencers and saying, hey, we'll pay you directly and just cut out the middleman, which is the, t- the television network. So I consider them to be the people who were holding on to the reins for so long, but they don't really have the power anymore because people are, are, are following influencers and what they're doing online all the time. People are more interested in following lives than just following fabricated stories. And you know, people are into like realistic, you know, things, things that are happening right now, as opposed to just, you know, it's still there and people love to watch, you know, dramas and everything, but people are really into now. Mm-hmm. So for those people that are watching that may be aspiring um, directors and producers and stuff, you know, so forth, what advice would you give them if they are putting content out on social media? What advice would you give them? So I would just say, see, I've been saying this for a long time. Like I've been on panels in New York, you know, with casting people and people from Marvel and you know, and all you know, different networks, and and one of the top television producers in the, I mean, in the industry. I mean, this guy's produced over two hundred TV shows, and we were talking about this. I would recommend anybody who's out there right now to make your own content, make content, keep making content, and keep making content. And move from one project to the next project. Because what happens is is you start developing more skills. You start getting better. The writing starts to get better. The production quality gets better. Everything gets better. But sometimes these guys, you know, like Matthew was saying, he's not Matthew Penn. He's done over like 200 television shows, including Law & Order as a producer. And he was like, we're not looking for the best quality. We're looking for the ideas and the concept and everything. We'll take it and make it better. You know, so but you don't want it to be a bad representation of you. So you want to try to put your best foot forward to try to create your own content because people are out there looking on YouTube. There's a lot of television shows that are on right now that started from YouTube. So put your content out there. But then you also when you make your budgets put in your but this is the one thing that a lot of producers and actors don't put in their budget, put some advertising in your budget. Because it 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 that makes no sense to put something together and nobody sees it. So put some advertising in your budget when you're putting something together so that you can get some viewers. You can build up your own brand because see television networks and movie producers and television producers, they like to hire people who have their own brand already. They know that because you're a part of this production, you're a part of this show that you're going to bring some eyeballs, more eyeballs to the show that they didn't have before. And I'll give you a prime example. When I worked on Law & Order, you know, they had me using the same hashtags that they use for the show when I'm posting on social media so that they can track it. So they're using you to help promote the show. So it's all a business right now. So you have to understand that they're hiring people they will hire you. And, and, and I think it was uh, The Wrap, which is a Hollywood um, 
you know, publication that comes out. But a few years ago, they said, look, your Twitter following is more important than your acting skills because, you know, you could be real good. But, you know, I got somebody over here who's got a million followers and they may not be so good, but I'm going to get I'm going to hire them because their million followers are going to watch this television show, this movie or whatever it is. So you have to think of it as a business. And that's probably what most actors producers don't do they come in with the creativity of it and they know what they're doing with that but they don't think about the business side of acting and hollywood and that's where they fail wow that, now that is that that's some very good information and i also think that a lot of times we look at our followers and we'd be like okay like if you're on facebook you'd be like i got five thousand people these people are going to support me no they have algorithms some of those people are your friends that never ever support that's going to tell you they're going to watch and it's, it's just a i mean lot facebook of is only going to serve if you got five thousand ten thousand followers facebook is only going to serve your content to like five to ten percent of them you got to pay for it to, for the rest of them to be able to see it right right yeah that and that, that and that's truth there so if you guys are listening to that that is some definite truth so chris another thing you you living with diabetes Yes. Diabetic. So like talk to us a little bit about that, because that's a process that I mean, you have a lot going on. How do you like go through day to day and be OK? So, you know, I uh, found out I was a diabetic like over 20 years ago and I've been on um, different uh, websites, publications about dot com, Norvo Nordisk which actually makes the insulin um, for a lot of diabetics out there, short-term, long-term acting insulin. Um, Oprah sent somebody out, her and Dr. Oz have a joint website, they uh, sharecare.com. They sent somebody out to my house in Atlanta to hear my diabetes story. Um, because they, you know, they say it's encouraging. You know, I've had it for, I lost 70 pounds. I was on the front page of the New York Post as one of amazing New Yorkers who lost, you know, 70 pounds. Um, the cover, I think, it was like we lost hundreds of pounds, and it was a few of us. And uh, so, you know, I when I found out that I was diabetic, I let it go out of control for a while. But then I started to think about the complications. I started to think about getting older. I started getting serious about it. So I started learning about it. And this is one of the things that I teach people. When you have a chronic disease, learn about the disease. Don't just accept what the doctor says. You have to become a partner with your doctor or your physical or your medical team so that you can actually help in the management of that disease so that you can actually have it under control. Uh, sometimes you are getting information from doctors uh, it might be a primary care physician, but he's giving out prescriptions, you know, for insulin or whatever. But he might have wow. taken a diabetes course a long time ago. You know, like he's not an endocrinologist. He doesn't specialize in diabetes. So you just can't rely on just any information. And I find that a lot of us sometimes we just let the doctor tell us anything. And before you know it, we've developed complications because we were listening to some trial and error that a doctor that just doesn't have all the information and everything available to them. So find out there's plenty of resources out there that you can learn about diabetes. And like I said, almost you know 40% of the people who die from COVID-19 were diabetics, vitamin D deficient. And again, the next, you know, complication was heart, you know, problems. So, you know, if you're a diabetic, you're a high risk, you know, for COVID. So you got to make sure that your body has, you, you have your, uh, you know, diabetes under control because what happens is that your body can't fight two wars at the same time. So if your diabetes is not in control, your sugar is not in control, and then you get COVID-19, you, you make yourself extreme, you put yourself at extremely high risk for going to the hospital, complications, or even death. Wow. 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 Wow, that's a lot. Now, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I'm not a medical professional. I'm just a nerd and a geek who knows a lot of stuff. But everything that I say, you can Google it. It's just facts. Yeah. Wow. So let's get into the life coach, life coach Christian. So how did you transition into that? 
So uh, I have been helping people kind of uh, get back on track, motivating them, inspiring them to be the best versions of themselves for a long time anyway, for free. So I just decided to do it as a business. It just seemed to make sense. Um, as a pastor, it just kind of comes along with the with the skill set. But um, it's just been a part of who I am, you know, forever. Like I've always been the team leads, the leaders, the supervisors, wherever I've been in the military, you know, always trying to help somebody. Uh, like I'm the person that typically learns something and tries, learns it first and then teaches everybody else. So, you know, I, I've been that person for so long. So then it was about almost five years ago, I decided to go ahead and get some certifications uh, for life coaching. So I'm a certified life coach. I'm a certified health coach, nutrition coach, and, uh, and medica meditation coach. So I teach meditation, mindfulness meditation, and co combining life coaching and meditation is really, it, it's been life-changing for me. And uh, even recent news reports said that uh, mindfulness meditation can be as effective as medicine for people who have mental illness. Oh, wow. Wow. So, and a lot of times people, so tell us like, what is a life coach? Because sometimes people get that a little bit confused. They think a life coach is a therapist and they're supposed to fix your life. And that's not true. So tell us what a life coach really is. So, you know, like you, you have therapy, therapy kind of works on um, fixing things in the past and working through your past, learning how to deal and, and cope with things in your past so that they don't come up in your present, basically. You know, they deal with the trauma, childhood trauma, things that have happened in your life, whatever it may be. And a lot of people don't know, but we're all born into trauma. They have like, it's called transgenerational trauma. Like you get trauma. Like if your mother is having anxiety while you're while she's pregnant, she's passing cortisol and the fear chemicals down to you in utero. So like we're, we, we, we have transgenerational trauma. We're born into trauma. So like we have, you know, this, you know, inherently within us. And a lot of us really don't deal with it. We're as a people, black and brown people are not really taught coping skills and uh, we weren't pushed in, you know, we didn't go to therapy. We didn't talk about therapy. Uh, therapy is kind of like taboo in the black community. I'm not crazy, you know, whatever it may be. And then even the industry, you know, said, you know, black people are, are tough. They're resilient. They don't need therapy. So even the industry ignored us. So, you know, so therapy is extremely important. But then you combine therapy with a life coach. So a life coach is working on everything in the future, setting plans. What are your obstacles? Like, what are we going to do? Like looking at things from a different perspective. Look, you know, like what happens is, is that we grow up in these different environments and our, our thinking becomes very limited based upon our environment, our experiences and everything. So life coaching, just like, you know, therapy comes in and gives you a different perspective. Uh, I was looking at a, uh, a documentary on Netflix. It's like sometimes like think about like uh, the brain and thinking like a mountain with, a sheet of, with, with snow on it. And a thought comes down the mountain and it goes down a certain way. So but then another thought comes down the mountain. There's already a trail there and it goes down a certain way. So what happens is over the years, we, we start thinking a certain way. But then even if we wanted to go a different way, what happens is it still goes down that that train thought because the uh, it's been dug deep down in there. So what a life coach is coming to do is to help lay down a fresh sheet of snow and allow you to help think a different way. Wow. 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 So therapists deal with the past. Life coach picks up and help you deal with your future. Accomplish what you want to, uh, you know, see happen in the future. So, yeah. So whether it's goals is whether it's career goals, you know, starting a business, you know, getting to the next level in life as far as, you know, career, like, you know, uh, moving up, you know, the ladder at work. Or maybe it might be something that they want to do personally, like, you know, they're having a hard time dating, 
You know, like me, I work with a lot of people who may be dealing with relationship issues. I coach some couples. You know, I coach people who are trying to get out there and date because dating is really hard. You know, some people like if you haven't dated in like 10 years, it's like totally different right now. So it's like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't know how to talk. And then sometimes we don't even realize like our attachment styles are like off or different. So it's just kind of like helping people to get prepared. Maybe if I could, if I could, t- if I can actually say it a different way, sometimes I'm helping to introduce the person to the new them that they haven't met yet. Like that. I like that a whole lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we have a question for you, Chris. Sure. Christian. So it says you are involved in a lot, which is great. How do you turn turn all of that off and just sit and take care of yourself? I'm sure people are often pulling at you outside of work. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I work in mental health. I am um, about to become a mental health first aid instructor, teaching people how to deal with youth who might be experiencing mental health crisis. And I'm also um, a certified peer specialist, which works in mental health. So one of the things that we always teach, they teach us, like it's a part of our certification is self-care. Self-care is extremely important and self-care comes with good time management. You know, like I make sure that I have my time, my downtime to relax, watch TV, get massages. Like this weekend, I was in Orlando for like five days staying at a resort, you know, and, you know, so spending some time with family and friends. So it's very important that self-care is a part of your regimen. And sometimes with life coaching, that's what I'm doing. I I just noticed a lot of people just don't have any self-care. So I'm looking at their time and I'm trying to figure out and I'm telling them, okay, we've got to make sure that we incorporate self-care as a part of your time management because you can't help anybody. You can't even be effective at work if you're pouring from an empty vessel. Wow. I love that. I love that. Love that. So, Chris, Kristen, we're going to go ahead and get to what we here to talk about tonight, starting over. So let's talk about that. Like, so what advice do you normally give people? Because you kind of just tapped a little bit with the dating thing. You said people are trying to get out and start dating all over again, you know, introducing the new version of themselves. What are some of the common mistakes people make when they are first getting out and trying to start over? Whether it's, you know, dating, um, it could even possibly be just anything, just starting their life new. I'll tell you what a lot of people, um, they start out, you know, a new life or plan, but they start out with fear. Fear is the leading emotion in the world today. And uh, fear is everywhere in so many different parts of people's lives. So people will have this idea to want to do something, but then they will let their fears grip, you know, just grab them so tightly that they can't move. And a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll be like this person standing on a road with two choices in, in, in front of them. Yeah, and, and never being able to make a decision on which road to take and end up starving and dying by, by not making a decision. And so we, 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 we lead with fear, we have fear, and then what happens is when we decide to do something, our minds, we have to really get an understanding of how our minds work. As soon as you think of something new, your mind is saying, you can't do that, it's impossible. No, 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 no. You have to understand that your mind has inner self-talk and a part of life coaching and meditation, what I do is I actually t- teach people how to reduce that inner self-talk, that mind that's telling you that you can't do that. And then what what we do is 
we replace those uh, thoughts with positive affirmations. So whatever your mind is telling you that you can't do, we're going to replace it. And you're going to say it out loud that you can do this and you can do that. Because when you speak it out of your mouth, then your ears hear it. And then it starts to register in your mind. And if you keep doing it over and over again, you know, like they say that you could habits are created after doing the same thing for 21 days. But if you do the same thing for 21, 42, 63 days, you start creating these habits, these positive habits, these positive affirmations instead of the negative self-talk that's been speaking in your head, preventing you from moving forward. Yeah. I heard Bishop T.D. Jake say in one of his sermons that many times we don't need the enemy that the, you know, Satan, because it's the end of me. It's those solid little quiet still voices and it's us telling us like you just said the fear we we speak doubt into our own selves and and discourage our own selves before we even get started so yeah and like you said you have to replace those voices with that positive affirmation but a lot of people don't believe in positive affirmations why do you think that yeah because it hasn't been taught and uh, positive affirmation is just, see, if you really understand, again, how the brain works, you're saying it out loud and the brain is hearing it and it's registering, you know, in your brain. Because what happens is a lot of times the thoughts that are in our head are not even ours. They're negative thoughts that somebody else planted in our head when we were younger, our environment, saying that you was never going to be nothing, that you would never do anything or whatever it is that they were planting in your head. And then all of a sudden, because they kept doing it so often, it became your thoughts. So a lot of the negative self-talk that we have in our head is just not even ours. So again, it's about learning how to separate it, control it, get it under control and say, no, I can do this because I am not trapped. You know, your, your brain will make you think that you're trapped in a situation that you're not even in. It'll play tricks on you. It lies to you most of the day. Wow. Wow. And I, and I like to tell people like with affirmation, because I say affirmations every day, you know, it's a practice of mine. I always tell people it's like prophetic because a lot of times you don't feel it, but you speak it into existence. You know, the more, like you said, the more you say it, the more you believe it, which the more you see it. So you just have to, you know, speak it until you see it. I, I love that. So I'm a believer that, you know, this is why they have vision boards. It's like write the vision, make it plain. You're writing it. You're saying it. You're doing it. You have action. And see, the, the, that's 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 the problem with with a lot of us. When we start over, it's like we have these good ideas, but we take no action. You know, faith without works is dead. So you just sitting up there like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. But then five years later, you realize that you haven't done anything because the truth of the matter is that you haven't had a plan. If you if you fail the plan, then you plan to fail. Simple as that. You have to have a plan. When when we talk about recovery plans, like say in mental health and drug addiction, we talk about you know your plans have to be specific. They have to be you know they have to be measurable. You got to put a time like okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to do this within six months or a year. Make it realistic so that you don't set yourself up for failure. I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to do it next month. That's not realistic. So you're going to set yourself up for failure. And then when you fail, you're not going to want to try again because you feel like there's not really an opportunity. But you say, if I'm going to set myself up to make a million dollars and I'm going to do it like this and I'm going to make $100,000 and I'm going to be able to do it in three years, it might be realistic. So it's got to be realistic. And then sometimes you, you, know, you have setbacks, whatever. You've got to be able to um, learn that that is a part of the process. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you just got to keep pushing forward. You know, I tell people life is like Google Maps. You know, when you come down to Google Maps, you know, there's a road roadblock in the road. Then you got to sit and you have to wait for further instructions to be able to get to your final destination. You're still going to get there. Maybe it's going to be five minutes later than you originally intended, but you're still going to get there. So you have to decide, OK, I've got this robot. Am I going to yell, fuss and fight, you know, about the traffic? Or am I just going to know that there's probably traffic around five o'clock? I got I got to deal with roadblocks and go the other way and get to the destination. 
You decide if you want it to be frustrating or not. Wow. Wow. Okay. So here's another question for you. So when people, we're talking a little relationship right now. So normally when people come out of relationship, if they're not the one that made the decision to end it, they tend to take the the action of the other person and make it their fault. And what I mean by that, you know, if someone, you know, just say, hey, this is not working for me. They say it's not working for me. That person could, it just may not be working for them, but the person who's hearing it, they always make it like, what they am I doing wrong? Yeah, what am I they doing wrong? Yeah, that they're, they're, they're doing something wrong. It's, oh, it must be me or something like that. I'm not and, enough. Know, yeah, oh, yeah. So so that that happens quite often. There is a big I am not enough uh, campaign going on in the world today. And it's just the farthest thing from the truth. I mean, you can have two people who love each other, and um, and do, but they're just not a good fit for each other. And what happens is that, unfortunately, a lot of people don't find out until two, three years in the relationship because they really didn't have deep conversations in the beginning. So since they didn't have deep conversations in the beginning, they probably fell in lust, you know, and they've, you know, they... Oh, you know, like we like the same TV shows and we like to eat at the same restaurants. Well, I need a lot more than that. You know, it, a relationship is built on a lot more than that. So since they don't do that in the beginning, they find out people find out a lot later. Oh, this person is not the right person for me. And then that other person does take on that. Oh, it must be me. I'm not enough or whatever. So the thing is, is that a lot of people are not doing the work after the relationships. Doing the work after the relationships, I'm going to tell you right now, you should be in therapy. If you had a breakup, you should go to therapy. It's just a part of you need to unpack and unwind the things in the relationship, not only what they did wrong, but also your part in the relationship, too, so that you can grow and heal yourself and be ready for the next relationship. Because too many people are leaving one relationship and jumping right into the other and they haven't healed. So they're bringing all that trauma from the previous relationship into the new one. And it's, it's, it's set up to fail from the beginning as well. Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize you are carrying a lot of trauma from relationships. You know, they do not get that. So, so, so again, if you're doing the work, you're talking to a therapist, you're not going to hold on to that. It was me. I'm not enough because you're going to be able to work through your role in the relationship, their role in the relationship, and then you're going to be able to come out and look at it from a different perspective. Because it's kind of hard to look at it when you're in the situation at the time. You've got to be able, and that's why it's important to 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 to, to talk to a therapist because you're talking to somebody who didn't have a vested in, interest in that relationship, somebody who's outside the, the relationship that can offer you a different perspective. Wow. Wow. And therapy is so important. I mean, I see a therapist every week, you know, I, and, you know, because when you pour into people and just life in general, when you pour into people and then you deal with people, you know, you, you need it to be able to you need talk. somebody. You need somebody to be able to unload. That's a part of your self-care because if you don't do it, then you're not going to be able to help the people that you're serving as well. So it's, it's an extremely important part of the process you know, to be able to take care of yourself. Therapy, some people who don't have therapy, some people use life coaching for therapy because they just use talk sessions, you know, to be able to have somebody to be able to talk to, to unload, to have, you know, somebody with a different perspective. You know, there's, so there's all types of life coaching, depends on what the person wants and needs. So we kind of uh, develop, based upon, you know, I give people an assessment, find out, and I talk to them about, you know, what their goals are, what they want, and then kind of develop something specific for them. Because it can't really just be a one-all that just fits everybody. Everything's got to be very specific because we're all individuals. 
Wow. Wow. So for those people, like say, for instance, there's someone out there that maybe can't afford therapy. You know, they can't afford therapy, but they're coming out of a situation in which they are taking ownership of the other person's decision. What advice would you give them to so that they're not taking ownership of that? Yeah, I would really sit down and do an evaluation of, you know, like, what is it that you're taking ownership of? Like, and and also, like, why are you taking ownership of it? Like, th- is this something that you created, you started? Um, is this, like, you know, like, if you got the blame of feeling like you're not enough, you know, that's a big one out there. It's, it's nine times out of 10, it doesn't have anything to do with you not being enough. It just has to do with two people just not being, being a perfect fit. Again, two people can be in love with each other, but not be the perfect love. You know, they, 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 again, they love each other. They, they get along. I've seen couples who they didn't argue, but they got divorced because Either their love languages were different and they they couldn't adjust or their goals were different in life. You know, I see a lot of people who get together where their goals are totally different. Like one is working to come up and the other one is working on retirement. Their goals are totally aligned. They're they're misaligned and they're different. You know, one has, you know, a... They're, they're why they read a lot of books. The other one just watches TV and they don't really have, you know, much of a deep conversation. So it's just like there's kind of a mismatch. Oh, they love each other, physically attracted and everything, excuse me, physically attracted and everything. But there's something that's missing that they really need. And they they don't want to like we can't get everything that we want out of a partner. If we could get 70%, we're doing really good. We're not going to get 100%. But there's certain things that you only want to get from them. And there's certain, you know, you can't get from friends or family and everything. So it might be that one thing that you, you're not getting from them that is really holding you back from giving your all to them and you just can't do it. But that doesn't mean that you're not enough. You're just not right for that person. That's it. You guys are not right for each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. You might end up being friends. You may not. Depends on how the relationship ends. I, you know, like I, you know, I have an, an ex-wife. We, we talk all the time. We're good friends. You know, we can hang out. We hung out this weekend. You know, so it just depends on the relationship. Doesn't have anything. Look, neither one of us feel like neither one of us is not enough. We just had a difference and we could not reconcile. And you know what? We're still fine. And we moved on. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, that and, and I and I I just know like a lot of times, I mean, because I've done it before in the past, you know, like I said, you get out of a relationship and you automatically take ownership of things that has nothing to do with you. You know, sometimes people just like you said, they just feel like they're missing out on something in the relationship. And it's not that, you know, anything is wrong with you. They just maybe want vanilla ice cream and you chocolate. So, hey. It could, it could be so many reasons. It's just like, you know, I work in acting and, you know, we tell people, like, there's so many reasons why they don't hire you. You could be too short. You could be too tall. Whatever you... You, your presence can be too big for the other actor on the screen. There's so many reasons why. And there's so many reasons why people don't stay together, doesn't have anything. And again, you just don't want to automatically start taking on this ownership. What you want to do is you want to sort each issue out. This is, again, this is when you're talking to a therapist or a life coach and talking about each issue and find out if it's something that you really do have ownership with or not. Because we do want you to own the things that you, you know, that you did do. There, there is some ownership that we want you to take, you know, responsibility for, but not everything. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. So we have a question for you. Someone is asking, Sarone is asking, how should one choose a life coach? Just like you would choose a therapist, you would interview them, talk to them, find out if they, um, you know, you want to do some research, find out if they may understand your needs, if they actually work with people, you know, like, you know, we have different segments. You know, there's some therapists who only work with children. There's some therapists who only work with adults. Same thing with life coaches. There's some, you know, life coaches who only work with certain, you know, segments, certain demographics. So, you know, do the research and then just give them a call, see if you can set up a time. A lot of uh, life coaches will give you a free um, 15 or 30 minute session. And a lot of times you can find out from that session. Okay. And we got another random question here for you, Chris. Christian, were you in a recent movie that had a shark in it? <laughs> yes, that was me. I got I got eaten by the shark. I was the I was the first black man to get eaten by the shark in the movie. <laughs> I, I think I was the only black man to get eaten by the shark in the movie. But uh, it was so funny. It was uh, it was taped here in Florida, and I was it, it was during the pandemic. There was nothing going on. It was like, oh, there's a movie filming here, and I was like, okay, so. I actually went to just be the photographer, the behind the scenes photographer for the film. And it was like, man, we would love for you to get in the water and get eaten by the shark. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, so it was it was fun. You know, it was it was it was really kind of a dangerous day because we went out in the middle, like two hours away from um, the state of Florida. Like it was way out there and we were on some some rock formation. And it was slippery. And I was like, it's just, it was just a crazy day. And the director actually, the boat slammed up between his knee and the dock. So, like, he got hurt. So, it was just, like, kind of like a crazy day. But, yeah, that was me in the, in, in the shark movie. It was it was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Nice, nice, nice. So, got another question here. How do you know when it's time to move from someone? Oh, you know. But you know what the thing is? A lot of times, many of us are very quick to move. We're quick to move without finding out the real problem. Sometimes, quite often in relationships, people don't know how to articulate their problems or issues. Mm. So I've been in, in, in a lot of sessions where people... Like I'll say something, they think that's that's exactly how I feel. They didn't really understand. They couldn't articulate it. So you know, we we're quick to leave a relationship without finding out the real answers to our questions. And I think that it's really important to to try to see if that person is able to adjust to be able to meet whatever need may not be met or if it's something where they're, you know, like, can they adjust through counseling, through couples counseling, through therapy, through coaching? Like, is this something that they can do? And also the, the most important thing, are they willing to do it? You know, are they willing to make the adjustment and change? But again, willing and capable are two different things. So you have to make sure that they are. But, you know, sometimes you've been through so much and you've been through so much trauma in a relationship. You know that it's time to move on because it's just been too much that has transpired. And you know that you might not be able to give them a clean slate. Like, like I'll give it, some people have been cheated on. And some people say, you know what, I can move on past that. But then they lie to themselves and they don't move on past it. And then they keep treating the other partner, you know, like it. So they say that we've moved on, but they really haven't. So, again, it's just, you know, moving on is really about having open communication. You know, the, you don't have to have closure, but you do, you know, you, you, you want to try to. But you don't have to have closure to be able to move on. You can move on without the closure. 
But, you know, you want to try to get everything, you know, all the, the, the talk on the table. You want to talk about everything, all the problems that you have. Find out if there's a solution. Now, you two together might not be able to come up with a solution. That's where you include therapy, coaching. And again, going back to sometimes you just know in your gut that it's just time to move on and then do it. I know I've been the the victim of staying in a relationship too long. And all that does is it hurts you. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so like that situation you just described, staying in the situation too long, like say for instance, someone know that it's time for them to move on, but they're like afraid or they don't know how to start over. What tips would you give them? Ask your friends, talk to your friends, your family, trusted friends and family, you know, tell them exactly how you feel that you want to do and then come up with a plan. Okay, this is what I need to do. I need to save up money. I need to do this. Or I need to leave next week, depending on the situation. But come up with a plan and talk to to somebody about it. If you don't have a therapist, you don't have a life coach, you've got somebody, a mentor, somebody that you can talk to that can offer you some guidance. I think I lost you on the mic. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, yeah, that's, that's that's very good advice, you know, that you just gave out trusted friends and family. And like you said, you have to have people that you can be 100% transparent with. And I think that's a lot of times when people, they feel a little ashamed because most times everybody's looking at us to be strong individuals. And to have to come back to a level of vulnerability, a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that. They're kind of afraid. How do you? Yeah, get we, we have to definitely learn how to be more vulnerable. Um, it's just, especially men, we have to learn how to be more vulnerable, be more open, be you know, just to to communicate and talk more. And I think that's that's a part of therapy. It kind of opens up the door for you to be able to learn how to talk more and talk about your feelings and articulate your feelings. Because, again, that is one of the biggest problems that I see with a lot of people and relationships is that people just they're not understanding each other. So typically what I uh, would recommend for a lot of couples, I recommend them to do personality uh, tests. You know, like you should take the personality test. Your partner should take the person personality test. You should do a couple of them. Find out what what your um, love languages are, and then you know, sit back and have discussions about the love languages. You're, you're probably going to do. It's probably going to be a great self discovery for yourself, and also discovery for your partner to find out a little bit more about each other, and then. So I was actually taught this when I worked for GE and I used to work for AT&T. But the guy said, man, this is not just stuff that you use for work. He said, this is stuff that you can use for home because when you understand the person, you are better equipped to communicate with them to be able to get what you want from them. Not being in a manipulative way, but basically being able to speak a language that they speak. Like me, like my love languages is quality time and physical touch. So, you know, my partner comes up and and, and rubs my feet. That's going to make me feel good or, or bring me down from a bad day or whatever. They're speaking my love language by spending quality time. So you may not be speaking your partner's love language and they may not be speaking yours. But if you don't know what they are, then how can you do it? So, you know. A part of uh, understanding people's personalities and their love languages allows them to be able to come together and communicate more effectively. Wow. 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 So, Chris, man, this hour has like flown by, man. I mean, it's flown by like really, really quick. So if someone wants to talk with you about being a life coach, because you do do it online, it doesn't have to be in person, right? 
Yeah, I can do. We do. We could do. You know, Zoom calls, um, video chats. You know, so it depends. On, it depends on some of my. It depends on some of my clients. Like, if it's a health coach uh, client, they're trying to lose weight. Oh, they're getting texts every day. You know, so that they can, you know, stay on track, you know, with the exercise. So I even do like, you know, like a program where I set up their their exercise and everything. And then they go and they watch the videos and they follow the exercise program even to the reps. Okay, pause, you know, for 30 seconds. Okay, resume again. So it, you know, I can set them up where they can actually do a lot of workouts at home. They don't have to have be able to join a gym. They can get the one-on-one, and then I talk to them about nutrition, eating right. It's really, you know, like with mental health, we talk about whole health now because um, if you're not eating right, if you're eating like fried chicken every day and you're eating foods that are driving up your anxiety because there's a certain lot of foods that will drive your anxiety through the roof. So whole health is making sure that we're taking care of the food, your body, food that's coming in your body, making sure that you're exercising your mind by meditating, you know, clearing your mind to be able to to hear, you know, your inner thoughts, because a lot of times we're always looking for answers on the outside. And a lot of the answers that you need in life are already right here. So, you know, we're meditating, we're eating right, we're exercising, and then we're creating the plan so that you can move on to have the best version of your life that you want. Wow. So how would they getting how how should they go about signing up for online consultation or something like that? So you, you can visit me on the um, web, ChristianFraser.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm always I get messages as soon as somebody um, hits me up from there. You'll find out some information about me up there. Uh, some of the certifications that I have, and I'm actually getting ready to do a, a total revamp of the website. So it's going to be a lot of stuff coming soon. I'm working on a weekend kind of getaway, and that uh, getaway is about uh, eliminating your fear. Wow. Wow. So the best way, like you said, is to get in contact with Christian. It's on his website. It's on the screen, www.christianfraser.com. So you can go out there. And Christian is on Instagram. So we yeah, have that up. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can hit me up on any platforms, Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. So... <laughs> So you guys, if you like this podcast tonight, make sure you go out on either of those platforms and follow Chris, you know, and then furthermore, set up. I mean, if you have put in the work, you've gone to a therapist or even if you haven't gone to a therapist and you want to you have some goals you want to achieve. Chris is the man. Christian is the man to talk with. So go Thank to his you. website. Check him uh, out. One more thing I wanted to add is that uh, probably in the next week or so. Uh, I'm going to start um, teaching mental health first aid uh, around the country. And uh, so if you have a church organization, community organization, and you want to bring uh, mental health first aid, it is a certification that lasts three years. Just, a, just like first aid certification is mental health first aid certification. It is teaching you how to be able to identify um children who may be experiencing some type of trauma, some type of stress, and be able to keep them settled until help arrives and teaching you different, you know, tactics and different things to do to be able to just sustain them, keep them calm, you know, because what we found is that if we can help, you know, a child, you know, through their trauma, uh, and this comes through education, but if we can help them, we can help that event or help prevent that event from coming becoming a life uh, long, you know, type of anxiety or depression. So being able to come to somebody's aid in the middle of you know a situation can really change that situation, and again, prevent them from having a life of depression, anxiety. And and really going on a down, downward spiral. So mental health first aid is extremely important. 
I know that they're talking about making it available to some barbers and beauticians as a part of their state certification, like in the state of Georgia. So it's becoming something that a lot of, so if you're dealing with children, whether it's a daycare, teacher, anything that's dealing with the public, mental health first aid is something that you should look at. And you can either contact me on the website about that or uh, social media as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so make sure you go out and follow Chris everywhere. Follow him on all his platforms and look for him in that one short fest movie where he get ate up. He's the first and only black person in there. So look for him there. <laughs> and before we go, do not forget to like this uh, podcast tonight and we will see you guys again next Monday night. Enjoy your weekend, your week. Peace. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.